So when I sit down a minute ago, Umfundisi says to me, you must have been a really unique pastor, which my translation is, Keith, you're really weird. <laughs> and he's probably right. Well, while we're waiting on our pizza delivery guy to show up, let me tell you a story. A few weeks ago, I was on AirTran Flight 79 from Atlanta to Indianapolis. And uh, it was a nighttime flight. I uh, had had a really, really busy day. And, and uh, I got to the airport and I discovered that I was in zone one. I was kind of excited about being in zone one because I've never been in zone one, I don't think, in my life. And I get on the plane and when I get on, I'm seated in 21F. It's a window seat. And I make my way back down the aisle and I get there and there's an older couple that's uh, seated there, the lady in the middle, the gentleman on the aisle. I excuse myself and I, I get in. I had a, a book to read and, and, and I confess to you I was tired and um, I didn't really feel like engaging in any kind of conversation. So I'm just sitting there in my seat, minding my own business, debating about whether or not I'm gonna read my book or just close my eyes when I felt this little prompt from the Holy Spirit. You ever get those prompts, you know? It was just kind of a little gentle nudge which was uh, you need to talk to this lady next to you. And I was kind of tempted to have an argument with the Holy Spirit about that, but decided that I always lose arguments with the Holy Spirit, so I wasn't gonna argue with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I looked to my left and said to the lady, are you from Atlanta or do you live in Indianapolis? And she immediately bursts into tears. And I thought, okay, Lord, why, why did you want me to talk to this lady? I asked her a rather innocuous question. Are you from Atlanta or do you live in Indianapolis? And I've made her cry. And I look over and I see that her husband, I found out later, sitting on the aisle, begins to weep as well. What do you say? I, I didn't say anything, I just sat in silence. In a moment when she composed herself, she began to tell me their story. They were flying to Indianapolis in order to drive to Michigan because their 50-year-old son had had a massive heart attack and died on the way to his job that morning. So they were going to do what people say is the most unnatural thing in the world to do, and that is to bury a child, even a 50-year-old child. And so for the next hour and 10 minutes, I... I sat with them and, and tried to just be a presence in their life, to listen to them talk about their son. And, and as we parted, I told them that I would be praying for them, and I had been praying for them because I really didn't know what else I could do. There's a verse of Scripture that the Lord has been speaking to me about for a while. It's on the screen, I think, Ephesians 2.10. Would you read this with me? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I had read that verse lots and lots of times, but in recent months, again, it's, it's become a little bit more real to me. And I think it, it really has to do with the last portion of that verse, which says prepared in advance. In other words, there are things for you to do, there's things for me to do every single day. And they're not things that we have to create. They're just things that we respond to. 
If I read that verse right, we're not the preparer of those good works. God's the preparer of those good works. He's, he's prepared those in advance for us to do, and so we just join what he's doing. I don't know about you, but, but I used to pray when I woke up in the morning something like this, not quite like this, but something like this. Here I am, Lord. Use me in whatever way that you can use me today. It's really kind of an American understanding of, of mourning. Really, the, the Jewish tradition teaches that the day is already underway. And, and all we're doing is just joining the day. We're, we're joining what God is already in the midst of doing, which I think gives us reason to look around and to listen carefully and to find ourselves maybe in places like I was, seat 21F, waiting for what it is that God might be able to do through us and in us. There's a, 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 a quote from Tom Mercer that I heard just this last Sunday. It says this, on the average, each of us has eight to 15 people whom God has supernaturally and strategically placed in our relational world so that he might use us to show them his love. Now, Tom Mercer is talking about the, the fact that, that you've got this network, what he calls the, his, his oikos or our oikos, which means household. When you read the word household in the New Testament, it's really your extended family. So it's not just the people that you live with, but it's your neighbors and it's your, your coworkers. And, and he's saying that there's eight to 15 people like that. Some of you are, are really, really like Charlie Alcock. Charlie Alcock has like 3,000 people that God has strategically and supernaturally placed in his world. But, but some of us have a, a few less than that, but God's done that, and, and we're to minister to them. Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that, that I think that God also strategically and supernaturally puts at least one person in front of us every single day that we can do something for if we've got eyes to see and, and ears to hear what he's calling us to do. I want to take a look at a couple of stories from the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke chapter 18 and 19. I'm not sure what the, 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 the gatherers of the canon were thinking about when they separated these two stories because I, I really think they, they go together, you know, because you've taken Bible here that, that originally the Bible didn't have verses and it didn't have chapters. It, it ran together in each of the stories, and, but they, somebody decided to, to separate the two. The reason I think they go together is because at the end of the 18th chapter and the beginning of the 19th chapter, there are some things that these two stories have in common. First of all, Jericho. The first story takes place just outside Jericho. The second story in chapter 19 takes place just inside Jericho. And then there's a crowd. Both stories feature a crowd. The third thing, ladies, you'll love this, both stories feature men with problems. I mean, that's a pretty common thing, isn't it? Finding, you know, men with problems. The, the first guy has a sight problem, and the second guy has a height problem. And then the fourth thing that I think these stories have in common is that, that both characters in the 18th chapter and the 19th chapter, they needed a, a bit of a boost. They needed some help in order to have an encounter with Jesus. And then most importantly, both stories feature Jesus. He solves the sight problem, and he solves the height problem, and their lives are forever changed. So so close your eyes with me for just a minute. Don't nod off to sleep, but, but listen as I read to you the first story. Because the first story is about a blind beggar. 
And I think that you can identify with this story better if your eyes are closed and, and you try and imagine what it would have been like to have, have been him in this story. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So keep your eyes closed with me for just a minute and imagine Jesus walking in the chapel at IW today and he asks you the, the same question that he asked just outside of Jericho that day, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? It's a great moment. In fact, I'm going to be just quiet for a moment for you to tell Jesus today exactly what you want him to do for you. Okay, you need your eyes open now and you need your imagination uh, engaged for this second story. It's a familiar one. If you grew up in the church and you went to vacation Bible school or, or Sunday school, then you heard it a time or two. In fact, you probably have even sung about it. It's the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. The man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and he could not see over the crowd, he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mother, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know, I think the message in those days was if you hear Jesus is passing by, do whatever it takes to get there. What about today? What's, what's the message for us today? For me, in the first story, I find myself wondering how I can be one of the people in the crowd who, who can answer the question about Jesus to someone who is lost or wandering or simply wondering about how to make that connection. And in the second story, I want to be like the tree. I know that sounds kind of crazy. But I want to be like the tree that, that gives people a boost and allows them to, to see over what they can't see so that they can see Jesus. Well, how do we do that? Well, I think we ask God for just one person each day that we can do something for with no expectation in return. Legendary basketball coach and Indiana native John Wooden once said, you can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. 
You can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Uh, imagine what would happen just outside of Jericho or just inside of Jericho or just outside the IW bubble or just inside the IW bubble if all of us took on this whole idea of doing for one what we'd like to do for everyone. A few years ago, I was on my way to the church where I was pastoring, and, and there was kind of a shortcut where you could cut through a neighborhood. And, and as you cut through the, the neighborhood, uh, you, you made your way past lots and lots of uh, beautiful homes and, and kind of came in the back way. And I was on my way, and it was, a, it was a beautiful spring morning. And if you've ever been to Houston, Texas, which is where I was living at the time, Houston's hot and it's humid. And and they treasure every day that you get when you can put your windows down. And this was one of those kinds of days. The, the windows were down on the car. And I'm, I'm making my way through this neighborhood. And the birds are singing. And it seems like they're singing louder than ever before. And, and, and kids are waiting for the school bus. And moms are kind of outside in their bathrobes drinking their coffee. And, and I get to the place where I'm going to turn off to go around the corner towards the church. And I see down the way this car that is is flipped over and the car's flipped over and and there's smoke coming out of the car and I see this guy that's like half in and half out of the car and and you know how you see things sometimes and you ask yourself the question am I really seeing what I'm seeing and and what surprised me so much about this is that it's not raining it's not snowing it's it's perfect weather people are still standing around and and, and a school bus passes by, this car that's flipped over, and it's like, why isn't anybody doing anything? And so when I realize that I'm seeing what I'm really seeing, I jump out and I, I, I race down to the guy and I, I pull the guy out of the car and I call for an ambulance and, and I find out that the smoke is really not the car about to blow up, it, it's just the airbag dust that has gone off. Uh, when airbags go off in cars, you heard Senator Dole talk about them last Friday, it creates this kind of dust storm. And and get the guy out, and, and it turns out that the guy fell asleep. He worked the night shift, and he, he fell asleep on his way home. Yeah, I know they're here. All right. Hey, how you doing? Tell me your name. James. James. James, we've never met before, right? Okay, so this is kind of like, you know, magicians and all of that kind of stuff. You know how they always tell the audience that, you know, this is our first time to, so we've never met. And, and you really didn't know anything except you were bringing pizzas here today. And you did a great job of that. Thank you, James, for, uh, for bringing us the pizzas. Yeah. James, how long, how long have you been delivering pizzas? About five months. Five months. Have you ever been to the IW campus before? Uh, delivering pizzas, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and when you hear that you're coming to the IW campus, is it, is it an exciting time for you? Or, uh, it's, okay. it's okay to tell the truth today because God's here and we don't want you to, to, to lie. So. It all depends on whether I know exactly where I'm going. Depends on whether or not. It's see, I told you, a challenge sometimes defines you guys. Yeah, you ought to just stand out in the street and wave down the, the guy and make it, make it easier for him. Well, James, we're, uh, we're doing something a little crazy today, and um, we, we do want the pizza. We're going to feed the tech, tech people afterwards. We're, we're not, we're not going to try and divide all this among all these folks. But 
we got some things we want to give you. Um, we got a cake that we want you to take back to uh, Domino's and you can share it with your friends. It's got pizza with candy corn on it. And, uh, and I ordered that cake. It's, it's a cake. It's from Myers, And so I think it's good. And then we, then we got some cards for you. We got a few thousand uh, cards that are just notes that people have written to you thanking you for, for your service. And then, and then we've got, uh, they tell me here, $1,268 for you. And it's pretty cool, isn't it? Somebody made a dollar into a, a boat. I'm not sure what that's all about. Origami, okay. And there's $71 in gift cards. And you don't have to share it with anybody. This is just, just for you because we want to do for one what we wish we could do for, for everyone. So Jennifer's going to give you a sock full of money and, and a bag full of money. And do we need the police to follow you back to, to Domino's? Or, yeah? And uh, a cake to take with your friends. And, and we'll take the pizza. And uh, thank you very much, James. If I could just get you to sign. Oh, you need me to sign? <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, James. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Just take two. You guys are so good. Thank you very much. Well, the end of the story is just that the guy turns out that he's got a, some broken bones and, and he's okay. But I get to the office that day and I'm thinking about, you know, my, 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 um, my adrenaline is kind of up because of all of this. And, and I get to the office and I'm having my devotions that morning. And as I'm having my devotions, I had another one of those Holy Spirit moments when, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Keith, you drive by, you walk by, you sit by people every single day whose lives are like that overturned car. They have had a wreck and, and you don't know it. Because some of them hide it really, really well. Some of them don't hide it so well. But your responsibility as one of my fully devoted followers, one of my disciples of Jesus Christ is to be aware and to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Worship team's going to come and uh, lead us in uh, another song as we close, and then Umfundizi's going to come and, and pray for us as we go. Thank you for, for helping me with our, our friend James today.